Welcome to the Healthy Tips Podcast, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your app software needs, BulletPad for building lists on your iPad, and also supported by donations from our listeners, folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersom, and today's topic for discussion is, is sugar really toxic? We're going to talk today about how sugars become so pervasive in our food supply and how sugar contributes to major health problems like obesity, diabetes, and heart disease, and what can be done about it. Sugar, yum. <laughs> uh, but what does it do to you? Do we call it toxic sugar? It's an addiction, like many other addictions. It doesn't actually matter what you call it. I mean, we have this list here of all the different ways that you can find it in the food that you eat. Sometimes these words have been used to kind of disguise the fact that it is sugar, I think. But there's no getting around it. Sugar is damaging to the body. We know that. The prevalence of sugar is so pervasive, and you have to be such a detective when you buy foods. Thankfully, we do have food labels. However, Things like glucose, which is basically almost a um, post-digested product, the body doesn't have to break it down. It already takes sugars and breaks them into glucose. So when a manufacturer adds glucose to their products, they don't even have to list it on the product labels. Right, and then many times I think it's probably the first thing they would have to list if they considered it a food Because it would be the highest content in the product that you're buying. Which is how the label works. Whatever is the highest content of that particular product has to be listed first. Exactly. So So some of the names you're going to find, you want to read off some of them, Bill? (laughs) These are the names of other sugars. So uh, refined sugar, table sugar, that white stuff in the bowl, granulated, certainly has correlations with all the other sugars it's kind of like a rose is a rose is a rose and a rose is just as sweet well all these other sugars are just as sweet and oftentimes just as upsetting to the body chemistry and to the immune system sucrose honey fructose glucose dextrose levelose maltose raw sugar turbinator sugar maple sugar galatose brown sugar dextrine barley malt rice syrup, and of course, one of the heaviest ones of all is high fructose corn syrup. Very controversial today. Yeah, that's really prevalent today and found in so many different foods. Our consumption has gone up absolutely dramatically, and I know that a lot of people on the internet are talking about this. You might have already heard about it, but back before the sugar plantations occurred, before people discovered how to process the sugar cane and then granulate it and then market it. People ate very little of it because it was extremely expensive. In fact, we happened to be watching the Antiques Roadshow and they showed a buffet that had come from somewhere down south. And in the middle of the top, they had a locking drawer. So the antiques dealer asked the owner of this buffet, do you know what this locking drawer is for? And he goes, no, I I don't know, maybe to keep the silver safe. He said, no, much more valuable than that. It was to keep the sugar safe. And it was to keep the help 
and the children from getting in and eating up the sugar. Yeah. That's how expensive it was. <laughs> Interesting to think that sugar was once a prized possession, and now it's so prevalent everywhere. The average American eats as much sugar within seven hours that a person living in the late 1700s, early 1800s, again, before they had the sugar plantations, would eat in a week. So we eat like two five-pound bags of sugar a month for every individual person. So think about it when you go to the store and you pick up this five-pound bag of sugar so that you can bake cookies and do all the other things that you do. And we consume two of those. That's like 30 to 35 teaspoons every day. You wouldn't think of sitting down and just putting 10 teaspoons of sugar on your cereal. (laughs) But in a day's time, we're consuming 30 to 35 of those. Wow. It's really damaging because it replaces other food that we could be eating that is healthy for us for the most part. One of the things that's so damaging is that we're eating it in place of food that our body actually needs to survive. (laughs) Again, it's estimated that 20% of the average person's diet is wasted calories because there's no protein, there's no fiber, there's no other healthy aspects to it. There's just pure... No nutrients. No nutrients, pure, no minerals, pure unadulterated calories, 20% of your diet. And of course, if you eat too much of it, it does very readily turn into fat once it gets into your body. And usually the kind of fat that we store on our body as well. The other thing that it really does is it robs our body of many of the nutrients and minerals that we use to build and maintain our immune system. Right, Kara, because sugar takes minerals to break down. And unfortunately, a lot of those minerals are no longer naturally in the sugar because they've been milled out, kind of like white flour and many of the minerals milled out that was originally there in the grain. So in the case of white flour, they say enriched, which means manufacturers try to add some vitamins and minerals back in, but they don't add a blaming thing into the sugar. So what, what do you need to digest sugar, Kara? One of the main ingredients that I hear about a lot is chromium, and they actually tell you that if you are on a diet or anything like that, if you eat chromium, not only does it digest sugar, but it will help you not to eat sugar if you eat enough of it. However, most people who are eating sugar are depleted of chromium. They're also depleted of manganese and zinc, really big one for your immune system, and magnesium, and of course, cobalt and copper, another couple. So those are all the things that are used to digest it. And Kira brought up an extremely important point, which is to focus or zero in on the immune system. This is what helps keep us healthy. We talk a lot about disease in the American culture. And look at the word disease. It's dis-ease or not ease or out of ease or away from ease. As we're trying to keep healthy and keep our body in an equilibrium state, we are putting toxic products in. Sometimes we can't help it. It's in the air. Sometimes we can't help it. It's in the water. Just by living in in an environment, we have to deal with what's there. But sugar is one of the things that we can choose. Well, and it's so 
it's so acceptable to have sugar. It's really, it's in, it's permeated our society to such an extent that in our culture, people eat cakes and pies and pop. Oh, really big one. And that's, you know, some people drink so much pop that they're replacing all of the water that's good for the body. Not only are they getting sugar in the pop, but they're also getting all kinds of other really damaging chemicals as well. So that's really a, an elixir for disaster that we're putting into our bodies. And that's probably one of the biggest habits that the American people have is this pop habit. And I think, Kira, this is time for one of our quick and healthy tips for the oh, namesake okay. of our podcast. Okay, now we've talked about why it's damaging. What can we do about it? We had a real pop addiction, and part of it was fueled by eating out. Now, whether you're eating fast food, which a lot of people have worked on curbing that taste and that appetite, but even if you're at a medium to upper scale restaurant and you don't want the coffee and you know you don't want an alcoholic drink, so they offer you a pop, and then it's a bottomless glass. It starts off to be a 16 or 20 ounce tumbler. You come in on a summer afternoon and you're hot and thirsty and you immediately down one while you're eating the appetizer. And then waitress says, would you like another? And then you get another. And then the meal comes and you're about halfway through that second one. And then the waitress says, would you like another? Partly, she's trying to keep you happy at the table, make sure that you're pleased with the meal and doing these little services. So you end up, by the time you're ready to leave, you might have consumed three 20-ounce tumblers, maybe three and a half. So 60 to 70 ounces of pop, which is, I don't know, right there, it's about uh, 10 to 12 tablespoons, if not more, maybe 20 tablespoons of sugar. Just in that one meal. Yeah, that one tablespoons, setting. not teaspoons. <laughs> so what we started to do about five years ago, we started carrying water in a stainless steel water bottle. And we carried ice with us to refill it with and to keep it cold. I know some people that carry bottled water the same way and keep it in a cooler. That's fine, too. But with the stainless steel, we don't have to worry about plastic going into the environment. But we have started in the last two years in particular, taking our water into the restaurant. Now, it's gotten so prevalent that there isn't a single fast food counter person or even manager that will look the other way when you bring in your own water bottle. We have never gone to the pop machine with our bottle, even to refill it with water. So that's never become an issue. It's getting even more prevalent in middle-range restaurants. I haven't seen this habit in a fine linen cloth restaurants, although they will supply you their own water, which is usually city water, and they will continue to refill that, so that is your option there. But by taking the water with us, we have made a conscious decision we're not going to buy the pop. And if we don't buy it... We don't drink it. <laughs> you know, as you're talking about the restaurant experience, I'm reminded that most restaurants really do pander to our sugar addictions. And this is an age, you know, when a lot of people are going out to eat, especially young couples who have children and they work outside the home during the day. So a lot of restaurants, I notice, are giving these coupons 
for buy one meal, get one free. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and we've taken advantage of those coupons yeah. sometimes. We yeah. actually go out and eat. One of the things I've noticed, I don't know, do you ever notice, Bill, that after you eat the meal, then they come and they parade out these desserts. And the desserts, if you notice, are very often about the same price of the meal that you just bought. They know that you're going to be interested in them because of your sugar addiction. I think the restaurant's owners really try to take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And you know, obviously, the first area that they're going to work on is the alcohol, which, of course, is also a problem with the sugar. But you're absolutely right. The end of the meal, they never fail. We have never once had them not try to interest us in a dessert meal. They're not surprised usually when we say no, because we've just eaten this huge meal that they've given us because they're offering this nice value for money these days. We're going to take a break here for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our podcast is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With BulletPad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. BulletPad is a great tool for writers and thinkers, featuring a simple but powerful toolbar above the keyboard to help you navigate your text with arrow keys and to change the indent of your bullet points. Use drag and drop to move your bullet points anywhere in the list. Use the zoom in feature to drill down on any section of your list or use zoom out to get the big picture view. BulletPad is available now for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for BulletPad. So we got our hands on um, Deepak Chopra's new book, What Are You Hungry For? And in that particular book, he's got a lot of information about how to regain your health and how to couple it with your emotional development and your spiritual development and your happiness quotient. But he's got some quick and healthy tips that we like to give to you. There's five of them. Number one is don't eat sugary snacks because a jolt of sugar makes your cravings worse and has a drastic effect on your insulin and your blood sugar. And number two is to try weaning yourself off of sugar. And one of the methods he gives of doing that is to just have, instead of a regular dessert, grab a piece of fruit, maybe an apple or another fruit, and sprinkle a little sugar on top of it. This way, you get the intense sugar taste. When your mouth hits that fruit, it's going to taste the sugar on top. But actually, the sugar is minimal if you don't use that much sprinkling. And you will save yourself a lot of calories that way, but you're not getting that bad sugar into your system either. Tip three is don't use artificial sweeteners. The taste is enough to alter your blood sugar and stoke the cravings for more sugar. The taste buds in the mouth communicate to the brain, which communicates to the endocrine system and also to the digestive system that, boy, sugar's on the way. So immediately, your glucose levels start to drop. And this is even true with stevia. I know stevia is is a different kind of a sugar, but the glucose levels dropping is also a factor of stevia as well. Well, it's probably because that taste is triggering a pathway through the brain that's very familiar. And so it is creating a particular response in the body. 
The fourth one is that if you wait 10 minutes before ordering dessert in a restaurant, he recommends waiting 10 minutes because you want to give your body a chance to register that it isn't hungry. And this goes a long ways toward making sugar cravings subside. So he recommends that you have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and maybe distract yourself with some good conversation instead and just wait that 10 minutes to see if it makes a difference. Tip number five is before you give yourself a fix of sugar, stop and close your eyes and wait a moment and then ask yourself, do I really want to make this choice? If not, if you really don't, the craving will often pass in a natural way. And if you do give yourself the sugar fix, keep repeating the exercise because the more that you give yourself a chance to make the right choice, the higher your rate of success will be. And that, of course, reminds me of the people that put a rubber band on their wrist and then snap the rubber band. That could be an adjunct to this particular tip and help that to register even a little bit more strongly and quickly for you. Now I'm going to tell you the most important tip of all. This is my tip. It's the one that works for me. Don't bring sugar products into your house. Ah, that's a big one. If you bring them into your house, you run the risk of eating them. In fact, it's a very high risk for me. When I bring ice cream into the house, forget about it. I'm going to eat that ice cream, right? I mean, it's in my refrigerator. I'm going to get it. And that's just the way it is for me. If I don't want to eat something, regardless of what it is, if it's not good for my body, I simply choose not to have it in my house. And that's even, you know, I've even stopped buying chocolate chips now because I can't keep my hand out of the box of chocolate chips if they're in my house. They're supposed to be for baking and making chocolate chip cookies for the grandkids. But it's no good if three times a day you've opened the lid, got a small hand. Oh, it's only a small handful. It's just a little bit. It's just a few. Only took five. And it's chocolate. Only took five. It's not really just sugar. It's chocolate. And it's dark chocolate, so it's good for me. No, I don't even buy it because I know I'm going to overeat it. So anything that I've found that I overdo and that I don't really need, I don't buy. And you know what? I don't miss it. I really don't miss it. I'm at home and I don't crave sugar anymore because I don't do sugar much anymore. That's just the way it is. It does take a little while. I will be honest about that. It does take a while, but you do realign the taste and you do realign the other systems in your body. As a adjunct to Kira's last tip, and that is an extremely important tip, I just want to add that for those that feel like they don't have the problem, but they are in a relationship and they are living together, they're in a domicile relationship with that other person don't be an enabler okay that is so unfair to the other person don't be an enabler so don't bring home the donuts and i know if you want one if you still have to have them and you can't cut out have it outside and don't bring it home to the person you love who is working very very hard to change and you may find that you yourself may have to make a change down the road but at least be considerate up front and don't be an enabler. That's right. It's so important. And today we have such a prevalence of the sugar diabetes. A little bit of sugar is not so bad, but if you have an addiction to it, even a little bit is too much. 
You can't leave it alone, so just don't take it. We need to take a break for a moment to thank a sponsor. This segment of our program is sponsored by App Judo, your complete web and mobile application development service. The Japanese word judo means the gentle way. The martial art of judo got this name because it signifies maximum efficiency and mutual welfare and benefit. App Judo follows these same principles in all its software development projects using the best technologies and computer science principles to serve clients' needs elegantly and intelligently. App Judo prides itself on building attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, App Judo can help make your project a success. Visit App Judo today at www.appjudo.com. And Bill, I think this brings us to the end of our program for today. Before we leave, we do want to say to the audience that we are not healthcare providers and nothing we say here should be misconstrued as medical advice. It's not meant to treat, diagnose, or prescribe anything. Everything we share here is our own opinions based on our own personal research and experimentation. Bill and I want to thank you for being with us today. You can subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes Podcast and look for the Healthy Tips Podcast produced by the Better Living Institute. You can also find us at our own website at www.betterlivinginstitute.com where you can find all our podcasts, articles, and products. If you enjoyed today's program, we hope that you will share it with your friends and family. For the Better Living Institute, this is Kieran Bill Van Ittersom. So long for now, everyone. 